0: lord it is indeed a privilege to gather here on this wintry day and just be refreshed by your word and i pray you would do just that in our lives lord that the living water who is christ jesus would refresh us like never before and that in so doing lord we would see you in new ways today like never before so think our thoughts may my words be yours that you would bend our wills to yours we pray And set every single one of our hearts on fire with love for you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Please be seated. I imagine that all of us at one time or another in our lives have been thirsty, whether it be through an athletic contest or working out in the yard or the field. For those of you who grew up in the country, we've all experienced a level of thirst. Perhaps not like the people of Sychar in the ancient world, but we can all relate to being very thirsty, running to the fridge, gathering a glass of water and getting water out of the fridge, or a bottle of water. Back in my day, my mom wouldn't let us into the home until dinner time, so we drank from the hose. It was phenomenal. And we had our thirst satisfied. But the entire passage before us is more than just about spiritual thirst or physical thirst. The passage, if you read verse 10, is really about knowing the gift of living water for each and every one of us. Understanding the gift of living water. And therefore, what Jesus gets across to not only the Samaritan woman, but to us today, is that the gift of living water, if we're going to understand it, is one absolutely surprising in its grace two it's ultimately satisfying it three it comes to us over time all right number one it's surprising two it's ultimately satisfying and three it comes to us over time so i invite you to turn with me in your bibles to john chapter four we left off with nicodemus in chapter three last week so the lectionary takes us to the Samaritan woman in chapter 4 surprised by grace is the first point she is absolutely stunned that this guy is talking to her verse 9 and the disciples are stunned that Jesus is talking to her in verse 27 why is that the case well first of all she's a Samaritan the Samaritans and the Jews were complete enemies at this time The Jews were looked upon by, uh, the Samaritans were looked at by the Jews as racial inferiors and dangerous heretics. They had blended Judaism with paganism and had come up with absolutely terrible religion. They had built a temple on Mount Gerizim and they said that was the true temple of God and the Jews destroyed it. And so there was great tension between the two cultures. Secondly, they were both surprised because he is speaking to a woman. Verse 27 reminds us of the terribly low status that women had in all those ancient cultures, be it Jew or Greek or Roman, Samaritan. The disciples marvel. Because it was considered absolutely beneath a man to even speak to a woman in public. And last, she was a moral outcast. This is surprising that he's speaking to her because she comes alone to draw water at high noon. Drawing water was a communal activity in the ancient world, you kind of did this together as women in the households would go out early in the morning and late in the evening to draw water from the well. But she comes at high noon. And it's a physically exhausting task. you got a yoke, and you carry two clay pots on the end of that yoke, and you haul it yourself. And she comes in the heat of the day to avoid other women. They didn't want to see her. She didn't want to see them. She had had multiple husbands To say that she was into men is an understatement. But beyond that, she was living with a man who was not yet her husband. So by Samaritan codes, as well as Jewish codes, the way she was living her life was totally unacceptable. And Jesus, deliberately, despite every single barrier that morality, traditional religion society and culture would put between them he blew through every single one of those barriers and said basically i want to get to know you he repeatedly does this in the scriptures but his living water is surprising grace we must understand this his living water is not on the basis of merit or pedigree or financial status or race Gender or pecking order because Christianity is a surprising grace offered to all. Now, religiosity and religion, morality and culture will tell you well, we know who meets God. They have the right look, they wear the right clothes, etc., they got the right degrees from the right institutions. But that's no surprise and there's no grace offered in that religion that's the religion of come and be like us come and be like me no grace is a surprise think about it she started that day like any other day in her life and she comes and she's really indifferent to the things of god and she met god so it doesn't matter who you are What you've done, anyone, anywhere can meet God in Jesus Christ. You don't have to be an insider. You don't have to be an outsider. It's all a matter of grace, and that's why it's always a surprise. So let's apply this to our lives. I want you to remember something for the rest of my tenure with you, that it's a surprise of grace and if it is a surprise of grace that means when we come through these doors we leave all those distinctions at the door everyone is welcome here no matter what gender or race or class ethnicity moral performance clothes that they wear tattoos whether they have them or not piercings in here they are welcome what has irked me more than any other thing in dealing with the churches of our outfit it has been a come and be like me mentality in many of the churches that i've served you know um, at the consecration of our building i became aware of a situation where, at the peace a young man had come off of work wearing his uniform, which included a hat. And he wore his hat during the worship service. And we had a member walk up to him and say with disgust in his eyes, that is so disrespectful, young man. You should take that hat off. I can't believe you come to church like that. I thought we'd won that Hats are welcome. Okay? Hats are welcome. You can wear it. You might have hat hair. You might look worse without it. I'd say get a haircut. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. But the refreshing thing, if you haven't had a chance to see the Jesus Revolution movie, please do so. It's a wonderful example of how the church back in the 70s, in the 70s, Began to learn to welcome people that were different than they were. And Calvary Chapel is a thriving church today in Costa Mesa. And like I told you a few weeks ago, down the road in Huntington Beach, Newport Beach, one of those beaches there on the Pacific Ocean, St. James Anglican Church, it became known as, had a bunch of hippies walk through the door. And David Anderson was the rector, and they became welcomed. No, my friends, it's a surprising grace. And this time, they won't be hippies. It'll be something else that probably irks you a little bit. Everybody's welcome here. Because God's living water of grace is always a surprise to the world that we welcome them in. So we need to be prepared for the awakening, I pray, is coming. And be glad that they're here. Secondly, we must know that this surprising grace brings ultimate satisfaction in life. When he, when he says to her, I'm here to give you living water, he's talking something more about just the forgiveness of her sins. Knowing that our bodies are made of mostly water. We can't survive long without water. We can survive without food, but not water. Jesus says, I have something your soul needs more than even water. He says, if you go to any other source, your spiritual thirst will just get worse. If you put your bucket of your soul into any other cause than my cause, he would say. Into any other relationship more than your relationship with me. Into any other hope, any other rest, any other beauty, any other thing at all. You're going to die of spiritual thirst even faster than you thought. Many he has the audacity to say, but the water I will give you will not just make you feel better, it will become as a wellspring welling up into eternal life. Verse 14b. I will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. It's an amazing thing. And this is a remarkable promise. And what he's promising us here, is that without Jesus Christ, we have to go outside ourselves for purpose, hope, joy. And we do so, don't we? We go, we live for our families, we live for our jobs, we live for our political causes, we live for our financial portfolios. And if we do that, we're going outside of us. But what happens when your political party loses What happens when you lose your job? What happens if your family blows up? These things happen. You die of thirst. And you have to go outside of yourself to cope. My friends, our lives are incredibly fragile and unstable. Your thirst is not just for purpose. It is that, but it's also for beauty, for love, But even if you find a great person to love, and you have a great marriage, that spouse isn't always welcoming and accepting. and You know, they're also mortal, and they're sinful. And Jesus is saying, I can give you a purpose, a love, a peace, a joy, and a hope, and a beauty that permanently wells up within you. Now, of course, you love your family. Of course, you want to provide. Of course, you want to see justice done. But here's what's so beautiful about this image. He's saying it's a spring within you, welling up. Not a well. We we, we treat our walk with Christ as if it's a well. Well, a well, you can plug up with the world's dirt, right? We treat Jesus like that. And we allow the dirt of the world to to clog us up in our view of him. But you can't fill up a spring. If you try to fill up a spring, it's just going to keep coming. It's like Gandalf. Frodo writes of him, in the wizard's face he saw only lines of care and sorrow. But underneath there was a great joy, a fountain of mirth, enough to set a kingdom laughing that's a christian it doesn't matter how much of the world's dirt is on you when my living water will become a spring within you welling up to eternal life you can't stop it and that's what's offered to us in Jesus Christ love joy peace contentment resolve blessing it's all yours in Jesus Christ So we have to understand it's a surprising grace, and it's a gift to us. We also understand this gift is ultimately satisfying. And third, we have to understand that it occurs over time. Often having to get alone with Jesus one-on-one. Him looking at our mistakes. And notice Jesus keeps saying to her, living water, living water, living water, and you know, he, she looks at him and says, you know, this this really isn't my problem. It's, it's physical thirst. I came here to get water. And then Jesus says, well, now go and get your husband. Some people say, think he's changing the subject. He's not changing the subject. He's not avoiding the subject. He's convicting her. He's not condemning her. And there's a difference between the two, right? Don't confuse them. The key to understanding what he's doing is that he's not changing the subject. She says, I'm not spiritually thirsty. He says, oh yeah, go get your husband. Well, I, I, I don't have a husband. No. Men have been running your life your entire life. Your sex drive. And I want you to know that you're spiritually thirsty, and but you're spiritually thirsty for God. You deeply thirst for peace, meaning, acceptance, significance. You just don't recognize it for what it is. You are deeply thirsty, madam. But you're drinking at the fountain of male relationships and approval and sex. See what he's doing here is very typical in Jesus' ministry. People say to me, oh, I wish I had faith like you. Jesus says, you don't have to create saving faith. All you have to do is transfer it from where it already is to me, says Jesus. You don't have to stir up adoration of Jesus. You don't have to transfer it. You just have to transfer it from where it is now, outside of you. Someplace that you're drinking deep. Someplace you're going deep for that spiritual purpose, some place where you're going for deep, deep love. In her case, it happened to be men. But it's not, not, that's not the only one, by, by all means, right? Your career, your appearance, your acceptance by friends, getting into the inner ring, really making a difference, political causes money wealth status control of your life but until we're honest with ourselves we're never going to find his living water unless we know where we're drinking right now unless we look at the false idols of our lives you say spiritually thirsty how am i spiritually thirsty I'm not spiritually thirsty, I'm physically thirsty. He says, oh yeah, go get, fill in the blank. There is somewhere we tend to drink from the pond water of career, relationships, finances, materialism. And he says, I know what it is for you. See, he's convicting, he's not condemning. Of course he's, gonna t- you know, he's telling her about something she's doing wrong, but he's not just saying to her, let's talk about your sin, lady. No, that's condemnation. He's saying, let's look at your false masters, your pseudo-saviors, your broken, earthly jars of clay, of water pots that you're carrying, instead of going to the wellspring of eternal life. And then he says to her, the one to you are speaking to, I am he. You see how he brought her along over time, not bullying her, okay? He'll do the same with each and every one of us if we'll let him. So he gets us alone, off our phones, no computer screens, gets us intellectually engaged then he shows us where we have placed our hopes and he can say, here's the living water, transfer your hopes to this. Until we've gone through all that, you know, it's not going to happen. We have to do that. Instead of saying, gosh, why is God letting this this or that bad thing happening in my life? Maybe, just maybe, He's trying to get you alone right now and say, go and get your blank and come back. He's saying there's no way he's going to be able to give you what I can give you. Go get your career. Go get your romance. Go get your relationships. Go get whatever and bring it back. No way I can give you what I can give you unless you transfer it to me. It's a surprising grace. It's ultimately satisfying, and it happens over time. So you might ask, well, how how can this be just for anybody? It just, just, just doesn't seem possible. Well, Jesus points to it. Jesus Christ shows us why this great living water is available for anybody, no matter what you've done. So in one last effort to get him off of her, And off, you know, onto some type of worship commentary, she says, oh, sir, I see you're a prophet. Where should we worship, Gerizim or Zion? Which mountain? Notice what he says. Should we worship at this temple or that temple? He doesn't say your temple's the right one or our temple's the right one. He doesn't say Samaritan culture is superior to Jewish culture or vice versa. He says, the hour is coming and is now here. We learned last week what that means, right? When Jesus says the hour is here, he's talking about his pursuit to the cross for you and me. The hour of his death. He's saying, you don't need a temple. I'm the temple. You don't need a place to set. You need a place to sacrifice, but you need a place where sin has been paid for. And that's through me and my work for you. Otherwise, the living water can't come to anybody. He's foreshadowing here. She would never have found the living water if Jesus hadn't been thirsty. So he says to her, give me a drink. And that's how the whole thing goes to where she finally finds the living water because he is thirsty. And this will not be the last time he says, I thirst. For it's upon the cross he would experience the big thirst. And the sun that dehydrates us and puts us into a tortuous death by thirst physically is just a picture Of what happened to Jesus Christ on the cross where the wrath of God, the justice of God, the eternal justice of God. Greater than 10 million sons came right down on him and he died of thirst. Because you see the favor in the face of God is what we need. It's the living water that we truly need. It's what we're built for and if we don't have it we just dry up. And on Psalm 22, upon the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the psalm continues, it said, I'm poured out like water. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus Christ died of thirst so we could have living water. He had the ultimate spiritual thirst. And that's the reason why the hour has come that now we don't have a temple anymore. It doesn't matter your GPA. It doesn't matter if you've memorized the book of Ephesians. It's a good thing. They're all good things. It doesn't matter your heritage, your performance, your race, your gender. The hour has come and now I die of thirst so you can have a wellspring of water welling up to eternal life. So how do you know if you've received it? Well, first... Look at her. What does she do? She runs off, and what does she say? Look, I've learned you must put a coat and a tie and not wear a hat to church, and it'll be awesome. Right? No, that's not what she says. What does she say? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Wait, she's happy about he discovered all the sex that she's had? She's celebrating that? It's kind of weird. All these experiences she had with men. How in the world could she be talking so happy about this? This is how you know you're a Christian. Relativists don't believe in repentance, and moralists absolutely hate it. It's abnormal. For, you know, we come and we say, Lord, I screwed up. I repent. I turn to you. Christians know this is the way to break the chain of the false saviors, the pseudo-saviors, and the false masters in our lives. She said, come and see, and maybe you can repent too. That's the way you know you're a Christian. And look, she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't care about all this. She's going to tell the people that she's been avoiding She doesn't care what they think. She has a totally new self-image. And more than that, she must love them in spite of how they've treated her in the past. She just knows the gift of God. And notice Jesus didn't say, go, preach to the people of Sychar. No. She just goes and says, come and see. She loves the people who abused her, and she doesn't care what they think. She loves repentance and leaves her water pot behind. And so in closing, my friends, it doesn't matter your performance this week. What matters is that you can at least utter the words, sir, give me this water. Give me this water. If you can muster that up, you're on a good track. He'll show you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, is there something in our lives that we're we're going to outside of the wellspring of eternal life for meaning and purpose and hope and joy? Maybe that's the reason you're up and down like the stock market. (laughs) If there's anybody here who says, Gene, you don't know how messed up I am if you knew you wouldn't be talking so hopefully about this stuff well were you with me last week the man who had the best outward appearance in the world takes the entire book of john to get it she took one chapter he just laid it out for her just kept asking her questions kept talking to her and talking to her and boom she gets it why Because people who are humble, willing to be a little vulnerable, and powerless usually are the people God works in and through more readily. That's exactly what happens. So would you, once again, receive God's invitation into life in Christ Jesus with me? Because this Jesus says, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will well up in him into eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we can come to you. And we pray that no matter where we are in our journey, we can transfer any trust that's outside of you, Lord Jesus, to you and to your cross, and that you would help us to live, Holy Spirit, with this wellspring of water, helping us to be barrier-free, Lord God. And if there be anyone here this morning who's just in the place where they realize that they're thirsty but they really still don't understand what this is, I pray you would pour your help and your grace into them today. As they pray, sir, give me this living water so I don't have to keep coming up these hills with jars of clay. Lord, I know that you will answer that in us. And so, Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit you help us to apply this to our lives right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.